The weather the past few days has been absolutely gorgeous. A perfect time to plant longleaf pines. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of January the 22nd, 2015. We have been getting out, I guess, the last three or four days in succession and planted 60 to 80 longleaf pines every afternoon and it's just been delightful we love planting longleaf pines because it we know that it's a great long-term strategy for the land that we are trusted with it is it's it's being a good steward of the land and we probably should mention that there's a reason we named our farm longleaf breeze we actually found property that is a natural breeding ground for longleaf pines and a few of them survived the bad, bad men who cut down, the loggers who cut down so many beautiful pines on this property. Yeah, they really, they, they logged for pines just before they put it on the market. So uh, we never had the opportunity to negotiate with the loggers about what they did and did not cut down. And they obviously had their way with a good many longleafs, but there were some that were just not accessible to them and they allowed them to stand, and so we have some rather mature longleaf pines here, along with a lot of seedlings. Right. And, of course, we are responsible for planting a lot of the seedlings. We've been here for five, a little over five years. Every year, we have planted 330 longleafs. And the reason we have that so specifically is every year we get a box of longleaf pine seedlings from my older brother, Dave Gray, and they come a thousand in every, in three boxes, and so our box contains roughly three hundred thirty three pines. So right. that's how we know. So, but um, our soil is really just perfect for longleaf pines. It's sandy loam. It's low in organic matter, which of course we bemoan that fact for growing vegetables. But our longleaves love it. Why do we say that it's good for longleaf pines that our soil is low in organic matter? Well, it sort of weeds out the competition because nothing else really wants to grow in a low organic matter soil, but the longleaves will. And we can talk later about the incredible tap roots they put down. So they do get down and get whatever moisture and, and uh, nutrients, and nutrients that are down there that other trees cannot access because they don't have such a massive long pine, uh, tap root. And the other reason that our land seems to be well suited for longleafs is that we <laughs> it's just almost impossible to find level ground here. And longleaf seems longleaf pines seem to thrive on these hillsides when uh, other trees have a little more difficulty getting a toehold. Right. So again, it eliminates a lot of their competition. Yeah. Um, we just love longleaf pines. They're beautiful to us. We love the sound of the breeze blowing through a longleaf pine. We love the way they grow. They will what the 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 expression about longleafs is they sleep, creep, and leap, meaning when a longleaf germinates, 
it will stay in the grass stage and look like it's just doing nothing for two or three years. Uh, but during that time, it is sending this incredible taproot. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we could go over all the, the numbers, but I think just to put it into perspective, it's going to grow uh, up to eight feet long within a year of planting. So visualize, you have this little grass stage uh, thing that's sitting on the ground. You just Not more than eight or ten inches tall. Right, if that. And if you could see below the soil, that little tree, like uh, with the ones we're planting now, within a year of planting them, the tap root underneath will be eight feet deep. Yeah, that really gets our attention. And we expect longleaf pines to be long-term survivors. If you have a loblolly pine or a shortleaf pine or a slash pine that's 50 years old or more, you probably ought, and it's close to your house, you probably ought to go ahead and cut it down because it's not going to last much longer. Um, long leaves, more like 300 years. Um, yes. But we really don't know because typically they'll get struck by lightning before they get to that age. Or bad, bad people will cut them or down. Or the bad, bad men will <clears throat> cut them down. That's right. But, um, and, of course, we've talked before on previous podcasts about, um, I think probably about this time last year when we were planting, about um, the loss of so much of the natural longleaf habitat. The lo- Not the habitat itself, but the loss of the trees uh, because it was used for so much uh, construction. Um, you know, a good bit of London England was built with longleaf pines from this area of the country, uh, the southeastern United States. Um, And so many of those trees just never had a chance to get as old as they were going to be. But um, so we don't, there's a lot we don't know, but we do know they are survivors. Our good friend Larry Davenport, who is a biology professor at Samford, talks about climate change, and one of the things that we remember from his advice is if you are serious about preparing your forest for climate change, plant longleaf pines. Right, if you're in this area of the country, that's exactly right. Yeah, here in the south. Because uh, some of many, uh, and I know we've talked about this before too, but uh, it continues to be the case that so many of our native species, such as the American beech, and will actually migrate north as the climate becomes hotter and hotter and drier down here in the south. So, uh, but the longleaf is amazingly adapted to this region. Um, you and I had the chance to visit the um, longleaf forest, the reserve down near Mobile. Yeah, what's the, um, oh gosh. I'll put it on the show notes page. We'll get the name of it, but it's down north of Mobile in North Baldwin County. And, you know, the point is, there's that's a hot climate. They like that. And um, as it gets hotter here, we should be um, adapted. And also, we're interested, because we do have hilly, um, craggy soil, we're interested in um, preventing erosion. And so I like the fact that the longleaves will actually send their long tap roots down to help hold the soil. So it's a good conservation practice. And we've already talked about the fact that we plant 300 or so trees each year. Um, And, you know, we use a little bit different philosophy each year. This year, we're focusing on the the areas that are most visible to our visitors. So we've planted a good many longleaves this year um, on either side of the driveway as you approach the lodge, outside the lodge, 
there's a pathway mm-hmm. from the lodge down to the pond, and we've planted long leaves along that path. Uh, and just this afternoon, or I guess yesterday afternoon, we planted lots of long leaves around Veg Hill. Right. Um, it'll be a, a nice touch. We have an area that we actually had cleared, thinking we were going to plant pecan trees there. Decided not to plant them there, but to plant them somewhere else. So we actually have this kind of a beautiful knob up there where we can just blanket it with long leaves, and that's what we're trying to begin doing. Exactly. <clears throat> And let's finish by talking a little bit about this possibility that we may be in a mast year. Yeah, we should probably talk about what a longleaf mast year is. That's M-A-S-T. Um, and the fact is that longleaf pine cones, which are very large and distinctive, much larger than the uh, slash or the loblolly pine, pine yeah, cones. A longleaf pine cone looks mm-hmm. unlike any other pine cone. They're you've just seen. beautiful, but they're they're not the largest in the entire country because you can certainly find some in, from some of the huge trees uh, species out in California um, that that exceed that size. But in the southeast, they are the largest ones you're probably going to see, and <clears throat> but they don't fall every year. A mast year occurs about every five to seven years, um, so. I guess to talk about the way mast years work, um, this is potentially a co-evolutionary adaptation because, um, and we may have talked about this some last year too, but now we can talk about it with the the enjoyment of actually witnessing a mast year. We're pretty much convinced that 2015, or actually 2014, uh, Which is when the pine cones fell. Was a mast year, <clears throat> meaning uh, the the way it diver- that works is as as an adaptation. The longleaf pine, along with several others like that, produces a fairly small number of cones and a small number of seeds on an average year, and then once every five to seven years, it has this profusion, this abundance of cones and seeds that overwhelm the little critters that are that normally would be eating the seeds. It's just more than they can possibly eat. Well, and more importantly, in the off years, when there aren't any or very many seeds, um, it starves that wildlife population of those seeds. They apparently go and look for something else to eat, but they don't become, this is the reasoning anyway, that they don't become dependent upon longleaf seeds and so that's not their, you know, they are finding other sources of nutrition. But then in the mast years, as you said, they're overwhelmed. It's more than the critters need so that there are uh, additional seeds that stick around and actually, we hope, germinate. And the reason we think that this was a mast year is because we've just seen so many pine cones yes. on the ground. Right. Um, far more than we're accustomed to seeing. We're fortunate to have a couple, not more than a couple, but not a huge number, but a a significant number of older trees. Yeah, I'd say we probably have 30 or 40 older trees that are old enough to produce cones. Right, which is, believe it or not, a a longleaf pine tree has to be between 20 and 30 years old to produce pine cones. So these are already venerable. And what's amazing is some of them look so tall and thin. I'm thinking, that tree is 20 years old? But 
yes, it, it would have to be, or it could be 30 or more. Uh, so we're, we're fortunate to have some right around where we live. And then on the borders of our property, there are some longleaf pines because due to the, the logging regulations, the bad, bad men were not um, permitted to log right up to the property line. So we're benefiting from some longleaves that both on the border of our property and actually a little bit into the neighbor's property because their longleaf pine cones are falling onto our side. So that's good. And we also have a few uh, mature longleaves close to the creek. Yes. Because they, they couldn't log right up to the creek. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and there were some areas that were just inaccessible to them because they couldn't get their equipment there, and so the longleaf so was allowed goodness. to survive. Right. And we're grateful for that. And th- one thing we should mention is that um, we're, we're not very confident that we'll get as much germination as we could. We should have done a controlled burn back in May or June of last year. We did not. The reason is that the longleaf, um, one of the advantages a longleaf pinecone seed has is that it's bigger and heavier than your average loblolly pinecone uh, seed from a pinecone. Um, and so, but it also has to reach the ground to germinate. Bare mineral soil. Bare, bare mineral soil. And that bare mineral soil is uh, enabled to be such by having some sort of burn. In, in a state of nature, that's caused by lightning. May and June are the months when it's most likely to occur, that lightning. Um, so therefore, because of the life cycle of the tree, dropping the pine cones between, what, October and December, then that's when that burn needed to have occurred back in the spring. So we had our bare mineral soil. Unfortunately, we didn't do that. And so a lot of those pine cones are falling onto turf or onto Heavily, you know, big, uh, yeah, lush see, beds know, leaf of bed. leaf beds, pine cu- pine straw beds, and so those seeds are just going to get caught up in that debris and not make it to the ground. But, but a few if, will make it. But to a the few soil. will make it to the soil. So we're just hoping and praying that we do see uh, some production from this natural uh, bit of seeding, as well as from the seedlings that we are. Uh, putting into the ground. And we have enjoyed seeing, you know, as, as we get out and plant, we see areas where we planted in prior years, and we're beginning to see some of the trees we planted in prior years escaping grass stage. And yes. that is gratifying. It really is. It's gratifying to look at and see the fruits of our labor, and especially that we have some areas where longleaves are going to be making a comeback sooner rather than later. So that's our report on longleaf pines. Hope you're having a good week. We'll look forward to visiting with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.